All right, Ephesians chapter 5, and um, we're going to try to look at the chapter in its entirety, but I really want to focus on just a few things, mainly towards the end of the chapter, but I got a couple of verses I want to read before we go there, and uh, this isn't necessarily a, um, well, I don't know how, it's not going to be a necessarily real in-depth study. Um, Just a few things I want to point out. The first verse I want to look at is in Proverbs chapter 5. And uh, let's see here. Let's just start in verse 1. And um, it's verse 6 that um, that I want to get to. But Proverbs chapter 5 and verse 1 says here, My son, attend unto my wisdom and bow thine ear to my understanding, that thou mayest regard discretion and that thy lips may keep knowledge. Now listen, listen to verse 3 through 6. Verse 3 says, For the lips of a strange woman drop as in honeycomb. Her mouth is smoother than oil, but her end is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to, to death. Her steps take hold in hell. And then verse 6, Lest thou shouldst ponder the path of life, her ways are movable that thou canst not know them. All right, now turn with me to Revelation chapter 17. And again, we'll start in verse 1, but it's verse 5 that we're going to focus on a little bit. So Revelation 17 and verse 1 says, And there came one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials, and talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither, I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So he carried me away uh, in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked with gold, and precious stones and perils, uh, pearls. Have, y'all can say that better than me, I'm sure. Having a golden cup in her hand, full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. Now, verse five says, and upon her forehead was a name written: Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations. Of the earth. Let's go to the Lord in prayer one more time. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace and your love, and I pray, Lord, that you be with us as we study from your word. Lord, speak to our hearts and draw us close to you, and Lord, use us to reach people. And I pray, Lord, that you use us uh, as a church, Lord, to glorify and honor you. Uh, Lord, use us to. Uh, be an encouragement to one another, but 
Lord, mostly uh, that as we do things, that we do things in such a way that does bring glory and honor to you. We thank you, we praise, and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so there in Proverbs, let me just look at that key verse again. It says, lest thou shouldst ponder the path of life, her ways are movable that thou canst not know them. Verse number three of Proverbs 5 says, For the lips of a strange woman drop as in honeycomb, and her mouth is smoother than oil. Now, if we are likening this to, and I believe that there is a, a spiritual application here, and the spiritual application is spiritual fornication. And so if we're looking at this as religion, and it, obviously in Revelation, uh, what was that, 17? Uh, Revelation 17, mother of harlots, the great whore, as it is, uh, as she is called, is certainly talking about a religion. And so when we go back to Proverbs again and we liken this to religion, what is it that we can see in what is said here that we can liken this to religion, especially false religion is what's being talked about here? Well, number one, uh, in verse three, for example, the lips of a strange woman drop as in honeycomb. When we look, and, and you, I'm sure that every one of you already know this, uh, and the more you talk to people about Christ and try to win someone to Christ, the more you'll understand this. But as we talk to people, here's what the you know religions of the world, all they want to say good words pleasing words we're all going to the same place we're all working to go to the same place we're all worshiping the same god those details don't really matter and on and on we can go right and their ways are ever movable that you cannot know them i have spent i'm gonna give you a couple of examples here but you can liken this and apply it probably to any other religion but i've spent quite a bit of time uh, with three different religions that have some pretty vast differences. Islam, Jehovah's Witness, and um, what was that third one? Just slipped my mind. Uh, but just, just take those two, for example. And I'll just use Jehovah's Witness to start with. I spent, I had a neighbor that was a Jehovah's Witness. And he wanted to, he wanted to talk to me, and, and I was wanting to win him to the Lord. And so I did spend a lot of time with him. And I looked at the material that he was going over, and I would show him you know, what the Bible says about it, especially in areas that talk about the deity of Christ. And I'd show him, no, Jesus is God. Amen. We see it all throughout the Scriptures. And uh, especially... When you really begin to start looking for it, you're going to see it because it is all through the scriptures. Um, there's a verse in Corinthians that says that God was in Christ reconciling uh, himself to the world, I think is how it's put. Amen. What is when, when we hear in Matthew chapter one, the announcement of the birth of Christ, what is he called? 
God with us. And I could go on and on. So many verses in the Bible just so clearly. And I would share these things with him and try to share the gospel with him. But here's what's interesting. Mormons would be another one I've spent quite a bit of time with. But here's what's fascinating to me. When I would point things out in the scriptures that just so clearly, clearly showed that what they were teaching was contrary to the word of God. They would change. Say, so, oh, well, this, you know, and, and they, they would adjust what their belief is, supposedly. But, you know, they would just reset back to what their, whatever it is, whatever religion that they're of. And when they start talking to someone else, they just reset back to what they're taught as from their religion. And um, their ways are ever movable. You cannot know them. My grandfather was raised Catholic. And the word Catholic does mean universal. And here's what he told me one time. He said, you know, Sam, the, um, the Catholic religion is it's kind of like a universal joint in a car. Y'all familiar with what a universal joint in a car is, right? It's, anyways, this is how he described it. And he, used, he says, it just goes any way it needs to go. <laughs> he told me that in Croatia, Yugoslavia, where his parents grew up, he said, the Catholics there are different from the Catholics here. And I said, you know, my experience with the Catholics in Indonesia, they're also different from the Catholics here because they adapt and their ways are ever movable that you cannot know them. And I'm just using those few religions as an example, but you can just look at all of them. They're likened to, as the Bible puts it, harlots, strange women. Their lips are... Uh, you know, they drop as in honeycomb. Her mouth is smoother than oil, but her end is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps take hold on hell. Lest thou shouldest ponder the path of life, her ways are ever movable that you cannot know them. And then looking back at in um, Revelation again, verse five, it's the, the wording here is mystery, Babylon the great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth, the mother of harlots. Uh, it's, it's, she's also called, I think also in Revelation, is called the great whore. Well, who is this? What is this religion? And what is spiritual fornication? If we're talking, likening this to uh, fornication, I'll just, before we go into Ephesians, I'll, I'll just go ahead and tell you this. I believe the, that what is ref, being referred to here specifically, and like I said, this isn't necessarily an in-depth study, but when you do an in-depth study on this and you see uh, what the role of the church is going to play, especially in end times, one of these days when the Lord returns and he's going to call all of us home that know the Lord and the church specifically is going to rule and reign with Christ. Now, this is, a, I know I'm, I'm not going to make this an in-depth study. That's some things that we can all, and you can begin to look into that. And maybe one of these days I'll, I'll teach on this a little bit more in depth. But just to give you something to think about, the, um, the, the wedding, the marriage supper of the lamb, and uh, the different things that talks about, about the, the wedding, there are going to be guests there. Who are those guests? And in, in when you look at the last ch uh, chapter of Revelation, 
And it talks about New Jerusalem coming down and there are going to be gates and there are going to be nations outside of those gates. Who are those nations? Who are they? Now, that's another study for another time. Here in Ephesians chapter 5, and let's start in verse number 1, and I know I don't have a whole lot of time, but I just want to get to a little uh, one small point at the end of this chapter. But I want to read from cha- uh, verse 1 just to get some context here. So you, you read along with me. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 1 says, Be therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this ye know, that no uh, whoremonger nor unclean person covet... uh, Hold on a second here. Nor covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them, for ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. And just to make a quick comment on this, it is a shame even to speak of some of the things that these people do in secret. It's a shame even to speak of it. And yet we see where a lot of it, they're just bold in your face trying to do it. And not only trying to do it, but trying to force it on other people and specifically our children. I've been, different people have been sending me texts and talking to me about different things concerning what's going on with what is being pushed on our children. And it is, it's just wickedness. That's really all it is. It's wickedness. And um, anyways, uh, what verse did we get to here? What was it? 13. Did I hear 17? 13. 13. Okay, but all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. Well, what was it that Jesus said in John chapter 3, a few verses past, verse 16, said, Men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. Men who hate God and righteousness do not like to be around people who are living for the Lord because we are a light just simply of how we live. You know what? Let, let me just say this. Th- this may seem so fundamental that it shouldn't even need to be said. But do you know that even a family, just simply because it's a, a family with children, uh, a, a mother and a father, 
and their children. That is the biblical model of the family. Amen. One mom, one dad, and their children. Yeah. That, even that right there is repulsive to some people. Mm. Have you all noticed some of the ads? Some of the commercials? Yeah. It's insane. It really is. It is insane. You know how Satan works? The way that he works is through people's minds. And if he can get people away from the mind of Christ, then he can start molding their mind. And the further they get away from the Lord, the more influence he has in their life. And you know what he's trying to do? is fundamentally change every single thing that God says in His Word. So the family, oh, who says that the family has to be one woman and one one man? Who says that? Who says, and I could just go on and on and on. You know what I'm talking about. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. What Jesus tell us, let your light shine, right? For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore, he saith, awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Be careful with your music. And I'm not saying that that every song that is written, that you listen to, that, that it all has to be a hymn and that... I mean, I know that there are some folk songs and there are some, you know, lullabies and and whatever. I'm just saying, make sure that what you listen to isn't taking you away from the Lord. I love music and music really did influence me when I was young. It really did. And I didn't realize how much it influenced me until I got right with the Lord again after my teenage years. and, And then I started... Uh, reading the lyrics to some of the songs I had been listening to. And, and I'll tell you something, the, as far as the music itself, it really is. It's, I, I don't know how to put it. I don't want to say it's beautiful, but, <laughs> but in all honesty, if some of that music was just played without the lyrics, it would be pretty. It would be beautiful. And when you re- re- recognize or remember that Satan, Lucifer, according to the scriptures, music is kind of his department. And he does use it. And I don't know if y'all have done that study or not, but music is, it was, his department. Right. And uh, so anyways, this verse talks about singing, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then verse 21, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of the Lord. Now, I've mentioned before that 
we see the Bible, a lot of it has to do with relationships. Number one, our relationship with our Lord. But all the other relationships kind of, they all, if, if we aren't doing things the Lord's way concerning our relationships with one another, then that's going to affect our relationship with the Lord as well. And uh, so here's some relationships. Um, verse 21 again, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. And he is the savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord, the church. Now, I'm, time's getting away from me, so I'm not going to turn to Ephesians 1.23, and I think it's Colossians 1.24. I can't hardly read my handwriting here, and my hand sweats, so it starts smudging. So if it's not Colossians, it's Galatians 1.24. But you can write those down and look them up. In verse 30, it says, For we are members of his body, of his flesh and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. Now I'm going to sum this all up in these last two verses. And I, I'm, like I said, it's not real in-depth. It's going to be pretty simple, and we're going to bring this to a close here. But verse 32 says, This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. Now, verse 32 says, This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Now, I don't know, if, and maybe you have, but I don't know if you've ever thought about what exactly does that mean right there. We hear this instruction concerning the relationship between a husband and wife, and then it's compared to the church. Let me read that again, verse 32. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. And there may be more to it than this, but let me just point this one thing out. I believe what's being talked about here, referred to here, is the relationship of working together as a husband and wife ought to be. When God created Eve, uh, he said that he was going to create and help meet for Adam. Th that's two words. It's not one word. It's not help me. It's a help meet for Adam. That word meet is suitable. Amen. A help suitable for Adam. And I don't know if I've got the exact wording on the for Adam part. I don't remember how it was worded there, but uh, God created him and helped me. And let me just say this. Uh, 19 years that my wife and I have been married. And 
here's what I just think is, is beautiful. And y'all can, y'all can probably already see this. She is a great help to me. Amen. She really is. She is a tremendous help to me. But you know what we understand, and the Bible is how we've gotten this understanding, is that we are a team working together for a purpose. And so what she is doing is she is, and I know she reads her Bible and, and she's, she's serving the Lord, but you know what? She serves the Lord and every one of us, we can look at whatever our relationship is, even an employer-employee relationship. The Bible says in uh, the very next chapter, it goes on and talks about children and then it talks about the employer-employee relationship and that as we are working for someone, we are to do it as if we are working for the Lord. Now consider that one. As if we are working for the Lord. So even in our employer-employee relationship, we are serving the Lord if we're doing it as the Bible says. Amen. And so with the husband and wife relationship, the church being the wife, and I, I, in Revelation when it talks about the bride and the lamb's wife, that's kind of, it, it's the, lamb, the, the bride is going to be the lamb's wife. And that's the reason why it uses it. It's a, a future tense that it's something that's going to happen. But this is what I want to get at. As the bride of Christ, as the institution of the church, let me just put it this way, we are working with Christ. Now, when he returns, and let me just go back to the, the two verses in Proverbs and Revelation that I mentioned. When he returns and we rule and reign with Christ, he is going to be the government. And we are going to be ruling and reigning with him for those thousand years. Amen. When we talk about a Baptist distinctive as being separation of church and state, this is partly what we're talking about. To become a part of the government when Jesus is not the head is spiritual fornication. Amen. Right. It's wrong. We don't do that. One of these days we will. Amen. One of these days we will. And, uh, uh, you know, the church doesn't rule and reign as the government. And Jesus in the book of Revelation tells us he's going to rule and reign with a rod of iron. And uh, the sin that's worthy, uh, we talked on Sunday, that's, that's worthy of being punished with death, it's going to be swift. When it comes to things like murder and rape, and we can go on down the list, and I don't want to list all of these things. They are listed in the Scriptures, though. And there will be no, during that thousand years, there will be no second offenders in these areas. So um, that's what someone's guilty of those things. Anyways, um, I, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Now, I want to tell you in summing all this up, the church doesn't save. Baptism doesn't save. We know all that. And a person doesn't have to be a church member to be saved. All they have to do is know Christ. But when we talk about the ordinances, those were given to the church. 
with people in place, and I don't need to go into all this again. It seems like I say it often enough when it comes to the ordinances and who, you know, the qualifications and things like that. But those things are important. And um, there was a phrase that just slipped my mind. Um, I guess I'll, I'll save it for next time. But this verse again, now this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. And so when, when we keep that in mind, and along with, with any of the ordinances or anything of how we live for the Lord, uh, it does matter. It does matter. And a lot of these, uh, whenever I speak with different people who talk about uh, they want they want to add works to salvation because they think that if you believe once saved, always saved, that you're not going to live for the Lord. But little do they know that when a person receives Christ, <clears throat> excuse me, a real change takes place in their life. And then they want to serve the Lord. And there's some, some other motivation as well. And... Um, that is, as we live for the Lord, we are laying up crowns in heaven. We're laying up treasure in heaven. So can, can someone serve the Lord having not ever been baptized? Well, yeah, but baptism is a commandment. And so why not? It's such an easy one to, to follow. Why not just follow the Lord, uh, the commandment of being baptized, scripturally baptized, so that you'll have that one. And, and baptism, by the way, and I've been mentioning, and one of these days I will bring a series of lessons on baptism, but baptism is that first step of obedience after salvation that gets a person heading, heading in the right direction. Gets a person heading in the right direction in their service to the Lord. And all of this, it doesn't mean anything if a person doesn't know the Lord. And that's the whole reason that Jesus came not the only, he did start his church here as well, but the main reason he came was to die on the cross for our sins. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life.